and welcome to EQ Above IQ, Parenting with Emotional Intelligence and Healing the Inner Child. My name is Trina Casey and I'm your host. Today we're going to have Tony Wadley. Tony became known as a side hustle millionaire after his book with the same title became a number one bestseller on Amazon. But this book title isn't just fiction. It is based on his actual story. Tony once led a successful corporate career for over 25 years, but that is less interesting than the side hustles that he had for businesses where he generated millions in profit. As an active entrepreneur himself, he still owns a few businesses, but his real passion is teaching entrepreneurs how to start, scale, and sell their businesses within his podcast and consulting brand, 365 Driven. I'm so excited for this interview. Hello, Tony. Welcome to EQ Above IQ, Parenting with Emotional Intelligence and Healing the Inner Child. Welcome. Hey, Trina, thanks for having me on. And I'm glad we got to connect on the clubhouse. And- yeah, yeah. How, how are you liking that platform? It's amazing. You know, just for the networking opportunities alone, I think that it's a missed opportunity if you don't have an Apple device to go do that. And a lot of times I think that I'm a former Android person myself. Mm. I saw a lot of my friends jumping on this new app and I was like, I could have made the excuse of, well, I don't have an Apple phone. And guys, it's you can go buy a used iPhone 6 on eBay for like $89. Yeah, yeah. You don't even need to have the service hooked up. You just have to have Wi-Fi. It could be a newer iPad or an iPhone. And so it's a, a $90 excuse for the untapped potential and just amazing network that you can build in this, this opportunity that most people are just passing up for lame excuses. Yeah. You know, you're on my podcast right now and I'm so appreciative that you decided to come on because you said something in one of the rooms in clubhouse that really resonated with me. And it made me think about something that I say to my kid a lot. Not everybody is going to like you in this journey of life. And when you're trying to step out on your own and you're an entrepreneur And you can't make everybody happy. And it's something I tell my son all the time, too, because, you know, he struggles here. We're in Amsterdam and, you know, he's still a little bit of an outlier as an American and biracial kid. You know, it's not something that is easy for him. Luckily, he speaks Dutch pretty fluently, but it's been a tough road. So how do we get over that herd mentality? You and your, your son and I have a lot in common then because I'm, I'm biracial. My mom is Japanese and my dad is a white male and mm. grew up in Texas, you know, Ooh. and I, when I, was a kid, I grew up in the seventies and eighties. And when, when I was a kid, you had to realize that most of the authority roles, teachers and police and people that were managing stores, just the, the middle management of America at that time were people that were coming from the world war II era, mm. they hated Japanese people, obviously for, for obvious reasons. So Not I, obvious reasons. It, may, it never made any damn sense. I'll be honest. You yeah, don't hate. The whole war never even made sense <laughs> about that. But yeah. we got to see the aftermath of it as well. And, you know, and, and, you know you're, you're a black woman. I'm a half Japanese man. And we've all experienced racism. And even, even some of my friends that are, you know, 100% white have experienced racism. And I think that is important to understand that. Yeah. People are just wired a little weird. And we, it's not something that we're born with. It's how we're taught. It's yeah. Really, it's a sad thing too. You know, we, we have all this beautiful connection, you know, my background, actually I'm, I'm multiracial. I've, you know, I took one of those DNA tests and I said, damn it, I knew it. 
I knew it. I love Indian everything. And there I am, Punjab Indian. There I am. You know, I lived in Indonesia for a few years. And there I am. Got some Southeast Asian in there, Indonesia. I might have some of that in me too, but because yeah, I love that food myself. And you know, when, you're <laughs> Europe, when you're in Europe, let's be real, the Indian food there is way better here in the States. It's kind of like our Mexican food. Like our Mexican food is awesome. But if you go to Europe, you have to eat the Indian food. Yeah, you have to. It's so delicious. And then you get the choice of the Southern and the Northern. Yeah. See, I, yeah. even know. I would go to these menus and it's funny because they would have like four, like I spent a lot of time in Newcastle, like I was mentioning before the show kicked off and they had six different Indian restaurants mm-hmm. and I would just go to, go to one and I wouldn't know what was on the menu. I'd just go, uh, this. And so I got to, you know, there were so many names. I, you come to an Indian restaurant here in the States, there's like six things on the menu. Yeah. It's always butter chicken and like common stuff and all these yeah. other things. Like, I don't know what those spices are, but that looks good. And I would just try something new every single time. And it was always surprising. Yeah. D- Tony, you said a couple of things and you sound, you sound like, made it sound like you're an old man, but man, you look, you look young. I knew I knew you had some Asian in the mix, though. I was like, mm, but <laughs> you look good. I'm a young 48. Thank you. Oh, hey, right here, right at you. Same thing right now. Yeah. You know? if, I feel great. I'm like, I'm ready for 50, you know? That's it. That's it. I kind of wonder if there's another level of wisdom or purpose to pursue when you hit that milestone. You know, they, what do they keep saying? 50 is the new 40. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people just realizing their purpose at this age. And I know I'm one of them. I've been in this, I've been doing this podcast for now for just a year and started my business a couple of years ago as an entrepreneur. So, you know, it's who knew that this would be my route. I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur and have my own life because it just didn't, that corporate slave life wasn't working for me. Nope. It wasn't working for me. And plus with the barriers that you just mentioned being multiracial and in my case, obviously black, but it makes it very, very difficult. Now I ask all my guests this question, what motivates Tony? I have a good answer for that one because it took me 40, probably 43 years to come up with it. (laughs) What I say now is that my purpose is to impact a generational legacy of millions of people. And the best way I'm going to serve this world is by teaching them confidence and business principles. So it took me a long time to come up with that. And it's, I've said it a lot. But yeah. that. And honestly, I didn't know what my purpose was at any decade of my life. And I think it's okay because we get younger listeners as well. And they're, oh, you know, Trina and Tony talking about purpose. I don't have a purpose. But guys, she, you just heard her. She didn't have that until she was in her 40s. Neither did I. And understand that our purpose changes through the course of our life. And about every 10 years, it seems like, would you agree? Like our decades. Yes. yes. And it starts to reflect on what you did for the last 10 years. And is it serving you? And is it really making an impact? Or are you getting what you want out of life? And you start yeah. to reflect Hey, the next milestone. And you know, we're both at you know late 40s approaching 50. And I'm starting to do the reassessments already. How are my 40s? And was I doing the things that I wanted to do to get more enjoyment out of life? If, if am I fulfilling things? Am I making a real impact? And right. so if you're young and you're listening to this or you're a young parent, especially, understand that your purpose right now is probably your young children. Mm-hmm. going to change as you start to age and get more wisdom and experience. Yes, yes. I just had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday who, you know, she keeps living in the past 
of that, you know, 2020s when we were looking hot and skinny and, and, and different club, different club. Exactly. Exactly. Life was different. I said, you know what? You got to stop living there because that's over and that's done. It's time to be now and manifest something different. What I noticed, Tony, and I wonder if you, you feel the same. I can go back to my childhood and remember the things that I wanted to do, I wanted to see, and they've manifest. They've manifested now. But you can't see that during the process. So I think it's really important to energetically to, to think about what you're doing right now and what you want to manifest for the future. You know, it's funny because I do believe in the law of attraction and visualization. And I think that even when I first heard about it, I was a little bit of a skeptic because that's our human nature. Mm-hmm. But when you come to think about it and you do the research and you read and you see the examples that really manifest, like you said, in your life, it makes absolutely zero sense to be a skeptic. And here's why. You get more of what you think about, you get more of what you put into your mind or you visualize at a high level. And if you're being a skeptic and saying, oh, that's a bunch of horse pucky and it doesn't work. (laughs) And like, this is foo foo. And I'm just going to turn this podcast off right now because these people are trying to be all crazy. You know what? (laughs) That way, you only give yourself an opportunity to lose in life. Exactly. It's on the positivity and, and there's no reason to be a skeptic. Like why not think about good things? Why not visualize things? And why not take the actions to go pursue those things? But I love that you said that. That's a, that's a very powerful thing. And it's played out many, many times in my own life. All I know is that many of the billionaires that I've been researching and reading about, they say they visualize every day what they want their day to look like what they want the next month to look like, what they want the next three months, six months, and year to look like. And if you get one or two of those things, guess what? You're ahead of the game. And I tell my, my son, my nine-year-old, that all the time. You have a son as well, I think you mentioned. He's 21. 21, man. You started young. He's on his way to Utah right now to go hang out with his ski friends and actually get, be able to get into the bars legally now, see? oh i i don't even want to think about that my son is turning 10 tomorrow matter of fact and he's just can't he's hitting the double digits and he's just too excited about getting close to be a teenager man i'm like i'm not (laughs) can we skip 13 through 16 can we just (laughs) let's do it let's do it but you know what we got to meet them where they are how how is it for you you have a very interesting background before you hit entrepreneurship. How did that play with uh, being a parent? Wow, that's, this is going to be a good one because I actually, as a business coach now, a speaker, and I run a large community of about 3,800 entrepreneurs, and that's what I shifted my life to, to doing and, and focused in 2017 is when I built this. But you know, going back to what you talked about, visualizing your future and not really knowing how it all worked out, for me, it was always leadership. And I knew that I wanted to be a leader and I knew that I had the skills and I was always the, the hub of my friend groups at, at any age, even when we we're you know, junior high, high school, always the hub of my friends. So I knew I had the leadership, but I always felt like society and school didn't give me those opportunities to be leaders. Yeah. So we always hear about, hey, you go to school and your coaches and I played sports, I was a football player and ran track and all that. But let's be honest, the leaders and the homecoming kings and those things were always handpicked because of their last name or some legacy that their parents or some big brother had set the path for them through that school system. And 
always felt like I was left out, you know, me being the biracial kid and I didn't grow to my normal height until my, my junior year. So I was always a short kid trying to outrun my mom's height, which she's five foot tall, you know, you know, cute little Japanese woman. <laughs> I'm five eleven now, but I didn't grow, but see, I grew six inches in my junior year. So I get that. And I always thought, you know, I want to be a leader. My dad was a gunnery sergeant in the Marines. So he was a leader as well. And, okay. and I saw him in the workforce and he was always the foreman and the superintendent and the general foreman. He was always in leadership role. So I got that from him, but I always knew that I wanted to be a leader. And I didn't know what that meant. Like, all of a sudden, but guys, I built a, a group that grew to 300,000 registered members in the automotive space. I built the number one General Motors performance website on the internet. Yeah. And then I took the same business model and the core values and the staff and the knowledge and experience and the resources and the networks. And I created performancetrucks.net, which was a performance trucks website, different vertical within the same you know, industry. And that one grew to over 280,000 registered members. Wow. And so, okay, I've done this very good with cars. My passion is cars or business. Now I'm going to be more focused on impact. So I was teaching people how to make their cars look cool and go faster and drive better. That didn't really change legacy or make people wealthy or have successful dreams. Just it's a, it's a hobby industry, sure. but I wanted to go impact people to do businesses. And so, you know, that's what I started to think about. How do I do that as a parent? And I'll tell you, when I started this business and where I'm going back to this point is that I get a lot of people that say, hey, Tony, I want to start a business. I want to do this and I don't have time or I've got kids. And I hate to tell you, you should never blame your kids for your lack of action. That's the yeah. one that parents make. Yeah. Kids hear this. And then when they become parents themselves, they're going to make those same excuses for their kids. Oh, I can't do this or I can't get in shape and I can't go to the gym or I can't start this business or I can't do what I want to do because I got kids. And when you say that, your kids overhear you, hear you, they say exactly. that. Exactly. And they go, you know what? So when they become a parent, they get to use that same excuse because you beat that into their head that that's a normal excuse. And here's the problem with that. You come tell someone like me that, I'll tell you, oh, you don't have time. Well, let me tell you about when I started my company in 2001. My son was born in 2000 and was in a toxic relationship with his mother because she was a verbally abusive alcoholic and I didn't grow up in a household like that. My household was very respectful and I was trying to make things work. I lived with her during the pregnancy and we tried to you know, do the right thing. And, you know, we never got married, but there's a reason because we just never were meant to be together. It was kind of that twenties. We were both partying birth control. Didn't work out with unplanned pregnancy, but we tried to make things work. We really did. But I, I couldn't understand the disrespect that I was receiving. And honestly, the businesses I was trying to create, because I was broke and I was $40,000 in debt. And there was an industry downturn in oil and gas in 99 and left me unemployed for six months. So I had to live off of credit cards and we had to sell most of our possessions and live in this really crappy apartment, just trying to get by. And I was working three jobs. And when I finally got another employment job, it was an entry level engineering job, making half of what I was previously making before the downturn, just to have a job and to have benefits for the family. And I would go wait tables in the evening and then I would work on cars as a mechanic on the Saturday and Sunday mornings. Then I would go wait tables again, Saturday and Sunday night. So I was trying to do everything I could to dig myself out of that debt, pay both of our bills and help her because she was staying home full time with the kid. And it was just, it was just a nightmare for me because I was in a relationship that was not out of love and, and we were both just not meant to be. And, and she would laugh at my dreams. So I'm sitting with a company. I'm trying to just, create websites and try to get us out of this hole and something that was a bright light, like a glimmer of light distance. And I said, I mean, I just need a creative outline. I need to be focused on getting out of these three jobs in the scenario. And she would say, that's a waste of time. Why are oh, you doing wow. that? You know, men talking about cars on the internet is that's stupid. 
you know, and she would use worse words than that, obviously. And, and it was the hardest decision of my life, Trina, was to separate from that, that relationship. Yeah. I was always wondering like, you know, who's going to raise my son if I leave? Yeah. Because I didn't trust her character a lot of times with her friends and, and even her parents were like, Hey, you're the best thing that's ever happened to her. And I still say that to this day, you know, unfortunately, but we've got a good relationship now. And my son, I was the best weekend dad ever. And there was a lot of times that he would live with us. And so we got to split the duties of parenting. And honestly, it taught me a lot of different things and hardship, but I, I don't like the excuse of, well, I've got kids and I've got a full-time job and guys, I was depressed, broke, newborn, failed relationship, all the check boxes you can imagine of adversities other than being physically fit to be able to do things. Yeah. I just had to focus on what was important. And I said, I need to be in a more productive environment. So I, I did leave that relationship when my son was a one-year-old and it was the hardest decision I ever made in my life. But it was the best decision. You know why? You showed your kids something that to this day, I'm sure, impacted him in a positive way. You showed him to not take abuse. You showed them that relationships are not a cookie cutter. You know, we, we live in a society heavily weighing on religious beliefs about what the family unit should look like. But it's not always that way. And there can always be love there anyway. No matter what, it always can be loved there. It just doesn't have to look like, you know, Timmy's around the corner. Fit into a box that society creates for us. Exactly. Exactly. The fear I had was if I leave this, especially as a one-year-old, am I going to be like a loser dad or a deadbeat dad? All these labels that society creates. And I decided, you know what? No, I can choose to be a part of this kid's life and be a dad. And that's what I'd had to make that hard decision. But I'll tell you, leaving was the best thing I ever did. And I actually, as I was driving the first day to my new apartment that I had gone to create a lease for, I could just feel the weight being lifted off of my shoulders. And all the people that I thought would say negative things about me making that decision actually supported me. My parents were like, it's about damn time. that." You yeah. Know. Yeah. You know, our stories are parallel, man. I'm in the same, same position. Anything. They were, they were, you know what? We don't interfere in people's relationship. My mom, man, she loves everybody, but she did not love this woman. <laughs> and, you know, we all get along now, but it took a couple of years to get through that. And understanding that is that they saw what was, what was happening to me, their son. And I wasn't the same person anymore. I was literally going through the motions. I would get out of bed, sometimes wishing I wasn't waking up. And I would show up at the job site, not even remembering my drive to the job because I was in this depressive funk and I'd get home and she'd be like, here's your son. And then she would go out and party. Wow. I'm home at two in the morning drunk, just talking mad trash. And I'm trying to get up early to go work to support us. And this happened for months, 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 months. And I thought, you know what? She had a baby, you know, she's pregnant for nine months. She's got to get it out of her system. And I get all that. And she never got out of her system. It just never came out of her system. And I was like, I can't take this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, relationships are hard. And, at, you know, you never also you never know who the person is until you invest the time. You really don't. I think that as a society and culture, we have these expectations placed upon us as men and women. And men don't get to express their emotions. And women are you know, placed at home or you're this kind of mother or that kind of mother. And let me tell you, this entrepreneurial trip has been 
so amazing to show my son that women can have their own business, can run their own business. He's so proud of me. When I published my first book, he was like, mom, you did it. You did it, mom. And, you know, sometimes that took me away from him, that process. But even though that momentary time, that time of where I have to disconnect, because, you know, we go through the guilt, like you were expressing to yourself about your, your situation, your, the guilt of not being there. Am I a dead be dad? Well, am I an absentee mom? Because, you know, now I'm separated from my partner. He's not with me all the time. Is he okay? You know, all the, all the fear. But once you learn to just release all that, you'll be the best version of yourself for that child. And that's what they'll remember. That's what they're going to remember the most. So it's so important. You know, in emotional intelligence, we have five principles. Self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, compassion, and social skills. And all of that, all that stuff before the first four culminate into how you live your life and your social skills, how you interact, how you connect. And if you are not self-aware and if you are not happy (laughs) and with who and what you are, you're not leaving the legacy that you want anyway. So, you know, what a story, man. That's, it's funny. It's interesting, Tony, because you kind of have, you know, that story I've heard with a lot of women, which you just expressed. Not many men that I hear with that type of story where most people really don't want to admit these kind of stories, but I think that that's underserving the people out there that are struggling with a similar issue. Exactly. I've been very transparent and, and really I'm direct. You know, the most people like me on clubhouse and my groups is because I don't sugarcoat anything. And, and if I feel something, I say it. And if I, there's something I believe in, I state it and I'm, I really focus on trying to be what we say self-reliant by Ralph Waldo Emerson and being a thought leader and being okay to change my mind. When I get new information, new experience, new wisdom, new realizations, new discoveries, sometimes that changes my opinions of things that I once really believed in to all my heart. Uh And the thing is that vast majority of people are unwilling to change their opinions in a public manner, even though they don't believe the things they say anymore. And it's because they want to fit in with their old group or their old status or their old reputation. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. And if you really want to be a thought leader, you got to be willing to change your mind at any given day based on all those new discoveries and be willing to be equally bold in why you believe it. But you got to say why you changed your mind and why you believe it. You know, we, we get labeled nowadays like, oh, he's a flip flopper and oh, you're wishy-washy. That's the kind of stuff that people say to try to protect themselves to fit into the herd because they don't even believe the stuff they say, but if they just had the hell, oh, they're wishy-washy and then they don't even believe what they say. Mm -hmm. They're the weak people. They don't have the courage, you know, and I love that, you know, and and yeah, leaving that relationship was the hardest thing I ever had to do. And also the best thing I ever did because that company that she would make fun of, that's the one that went on to make millions of dollars in profit. And I sold for millions of dollars only six years later. And that's why I'm trying to understand people to understand it's like these relationships, these people you surround yourself with, the people you lay in bed with could be the anchor that's holding you back from your potential. You may know it down inside. Can I give you just the applause for that? Oh God, you said it. And this can be family too. You know, I have family members say, well, why would you leave that secure job with, with FedEx to move to Montreal? 
why are you doing that? You got benefits, you got this, you got that. And I go, because I'm not happy. My life and my purpose is not in this bubble that was created by external factors. And, you know, one of the challenges I find here in Amsterdam in particular is that a lot of people of color live in this box and a lot of the Dutch don't know how to deal with somebody like me. <laughs> wait, wait, you're, you're very direct. I said, well, aren't all Dutch people direct? What they mean is you're very direct for a black woman within this society where that's not really accepted. And so it, it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge, but you do what you got to do, man. Got to do what you got to do. Now, I have a question for you. How would you explain to parents the key factors on how to set up your child to have an entrepreneurial mindset? Ooh, this is a good one. Mm. You know, parents mean well. I mean, we always hear that parents are doing the best they can. I don't really believe that statement. I believe that nobody is really doing the best they can. I'm not doing the best I can. You're not doing the best I can. I think that's a, it's a surface level statement that people just volley back and forth to try to validate that, hey, we're just trying, we're just trying to get through the struggle. And most people really aren't doing probably 50, 60% of their actual potential or capacity. Let's be honest. Mm. Like it is. And the thing is, is that although we tell our kids and we encourage them, hey, Billy, you can, you can chase your dreams. Michelle, you know, someday you can become the president of the United States and you've got all these things before you and you, you have these big dreams. You could do anything you want. We, we have good intentions when we're saying those things, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is that kids, especially before they're 13, the 12 years, that first 12 years is their formative years, they don't have a basis of reference to compare your words with. So what they do is they observe your actions, or they're watching their older brothers and sisters, the siblings. They, humans learn by observing actions. <laughs> the words that are coming out your mouth that are saying, like, you could chase your dreams and you could do big things. And, you know, mama, daddy, we're going to make this thing happen for you. But they're watching your lives. They're watching you as parents. How are they living? What is their lifestyle? What are their friends that they got around them? What are the things they're doing in the evening? They're absorbing all this stuff like a sponge because they're observing. They don't care about the stuff coming out of your mouth because you need some proof of that. Wait till you have teenagers because they don't really care about what you say at that point. <laughs> we've all been there. You know, we've been on the other side of that. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> we watch. We do visually watch and we absorb things that are going on around us in the society that we're placed in. So you need to ask yourself as parents, if you're teaching your kids or you're saying to your kids, you can go achieve big things, Susie. You can go achieve amazing things, Michael. And they're watching you and you're not chasing your own dreams. You think they're going to believe anything you're saying? How are yes. you going to pursue their dreams if you're not pursuing your own dreams? Exactly. You want to truly change your kids, encourage them, and show them the journey and the, the struggle and the passion and the grit and the determination that they're going to need to become successful, you got to start demonstrating that for yourself. And honestly, you're probably not going to do that at a corporate job, especially if you're underpaid and undervalued. So if you want to go do that, go create a side hustle. Go show them that, hey, you know what? Mama's dream is this. I'm going to go start that. And then start to show the results. And they're going to see the hard work that you're putting in. And they're going to respect that. They know that they're going to have a little bit less time to play with you and 
get their attention, but they're watching you do your dream and chase your dream. You don't think that's going to inspire them? Because again, they're absorbing that like a sponge or saying, man, mama works so hard. She's yeah. building her dream. And you don't think that when they become adults, that's going to be the basis and the foundational thoughts that they have when they got to go create their own dream. That's what you got to build. You got to demonstrate, quit talking. Yes, we are. We are the models of behavior, of actions, of everything for our kids. And one of the things that I struggle with sometimes coaching, especially people of color community, is that since we've been in this social structure and this box that we talked about previously, we make up a lot of excuses. And one of them, one of them I hate is, well, I was raised like that and I turned out all right, but did you? And it's always, no, you didn't. You didn't turn out all right. That's why you're here. That's why you're talking to me. <laughs> because something's not right and you know it. It's just you're afraid to break that foundation to build something new because it's unfamiliar, it's scary. But once you do that, your kids, it's an energetic thing. Your kids are going to feel it and they're going to go, oh, mom, dad's different. And that's when you start building that house, that new house, the new relationship, the new dynamic with yourself, with your family. And your kid is going to, that's, that's, your kids going to appreciate that. They're going to love that. And that's what they're going to start modeling themselves after. And I always tell people, you know, you're going to trip up, you know, and I do sometimes say you're doing your best. And, and it's interesting that you said that you don't believe that. What I, I, I'm going to start reframing it. You're doing what you're programmed to do. So let's have the self-awareness to say, that's my programming. And I don't want that for my, my child. I don't want that for myself anymore. How am I going to take steps to overwrite that? Well, you know, context, I think that we certainly do our best in some regards and pertains to actions or doing something, right? Mm -hmm. and task, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I think that we do. I do a lot of things my best at tasks, but I'm talking about life in general. Mm -hmm. And we're always, we're always sacrificing where we shouldn't be or not following up or not doing the things that mean something. I mean, to me, even the smallest decisions are uh, the food on the end of your fork at each meal. That's a decision. And you got to understand if you start to do a lot of the ones on the wrong side of that decision, you're going to end up where you don't want to be. And I always think about future forward. I always think of myself about three years in advance. And I visualize, there's that word again. Mm -hmm. What does future version of Tony look like? Health, felt, you know, health, mindset, relationships, wealth. There's a number in your bank account or the resources or the things that you've created, or maybe the checks that you're donating, you know, whatever those numbers need. You need to think, of, who's that person? What do they dress like? How do they sound? How do they speak? How do they communicate? What do their friends look like? Yeah. What are the communities they're going to build? What are the things that I, I just want to perceive who that better version of me is that I'm chasing all the time? And whenever I make a decision today, this moment, because we can only control today, we can't control the past or the future, but we control this moment. If I'm having a dilemma or even the smallest decision, it's like, hey, I don't feel like going to the gym today, for example. I'll tell you that I'm the most physically fit and the strongest physically I've ever been in my entire life. And I was an athlete my entire life. Mm -hmm. I dedicated things on more being focused after 40, especially after that accident that I need to go do things. Okay. And so I don't feel like going. I don't have the motivation to go to the gym, but I do like the results. And I lean back to thinking about I've never left the gym ever in my entire life 
going back to when I was probably 14 and I started going to the gym, I've never left the gym one time having regretted having been there that day. <laughs> and so I know, even though I, I was like, you know what, I'd rather just go take a nap or hang out on clubhouse. Like, yeah. no, I need to go to the gym because I know that I never regret leaving. So although I'm not in that mind frame now, I don't need that motivation. That's one of the things that we talk about in these groups is that people are always thinking they need motivation. Oh, I need to get on clubhouse and get a dose of motivation. Oh, I need to go on Instagram and find some hashtag motivational, inspirational memes and like scroll through a hundred of those. And maybe I need to go share one of those to my Facebook just to kind of feel like, Oh, I'm so motivated today. But guys, I tell you successful people, do not require motivation. We are just firmly focused on results. We do it whether we like it or not because we're willing to put in that work. We don't need a motivation. I don't need external pep talks and people going, oh, you're so great and you, you're, you're so wonderful and you can do this. Like, no, I'm just going to go put in the work because I know that the results I create are going to create those accolades and all the financial return as well. So focus on results and quit thinking you need to be motivated and you feel like, oh, I don't feel motivated. All these successful people, they must be so motivated. No, we're not. Really oh man, I'm not. Some days I just want to lay in bed all day, and, you know, and do absolutely nothing. But I remember, I basically remember and I savor the results so that then that gets me up that gets me motivated to do what I needed to do. And it's not even motivation. I just know, like what you said, when you leave the gym, you feel good in your body. You feel good in your mind. And that's one of the, that's one of the areas where I've been like, honestly slacking off because, you know, you're juggling all these balls in the air, you know? And the one thing that I don't do is I don't beat myself up. That's something that I said, okay, okay, I slipped up today. I have to read, okay, let's do it tomorrow. There's this side of the hustle that really messes people up. And I don't, I don't believe in the hustle. I believe in the alignment. We need, you have to align. All of a sudden, when you find that flow and that alignment, things just go smoothly. It's, it's, it's amazing. And then, you, you know, you get a, a problem here or there but it's not the end of the world. It doesn't devastate you. It doesn't make you feel like a failure. And so everybody needs far more compassion for themselves in this, this life and in this journey. Cause you know, my goal is to be a multi-billionaire, yeah. but if I hit millionaire, I'm okay. <laughs> if I get just six figures, I'm okay. You know, it's just the drive. It doesn't have to be that way. Definitely. Yeah. You know, we need to give ourselves grace mm-hmm. of that, but we also can't cut ourselves any slack, right? When you start to see that there's a, a tendency that we're continually putting something off, mm-hmm. here's the problem with that. We focus a lot on tasks and to-do lists in our lives, but we don't really achieve anything because we feel like we're really busy, but we're not really moving the needle on the progress gauge to chase our goals. So we'll finish the day. Oh, I'm so exhausted. I did this checkbox thing, checkbox thing, checkbox thing, checkbox thing. And you go to the next day and you don't feel like you're any further ahead than you were the day before. And it's the reason is because a lot of those things that we procrastinate, those things that we know we should be doing, but we don't really want to jump in. Maybe it's becoming a public speaker, getting some training, or maybe it's 
doing some leadership or maybe it's building that group or creating an offer for an online course or starting to form a society around you or maybe it's writing that book and guarding that precious time to be able to build that book. The thing that we start to fail to understand is significant value of what we need to be doing, right? Mm -hmm. We tend to get just really hyper-focused on the things we like to do versus the things we should be doing. And, and the indicator is always the fear of something or the hesitation or the procrastination. There's things out there you procrastinate, not doing chores. I'm not talking about chores. I'm talking about big things. Procrastinating, fear, all these emotions because you're an emotional awareness person. That is the indicator. That, that thing should be glowing red hot, that that's the thing that you need to go do. Those are the things that where growth occurs. And if you're not willing to be uncomfortable and grow and just make time for those kind of things, you're, you're going to be in the same position over and over and over forever. It's just how it is. It's like the homework, the homeschooling. You're, you're out of that stage, you know. But when, when this pandemic hit, my son always wanted to do the easy work for it. I said, no, let's just do the hard stuff first. Yep. No, it's too hard. I said, but if we do the hard stuff first, we get it out of the way. Because that's what I want his mindset to be. Let's do the thing that's going to make us feel the least comfortable. And then all of a sudden, that becomes the easy thing over time. Just get it out of the way, you know? And wow, this. <laughs> now think, about, think about what you just said. Do the hard things first. And mm -hmm. get, right? Yeah. Apply that to your, your life. If you're listening to this and maybe you're working a job that you just hate, maybe it's in a, a profession that's not even meant for you, but it's paying your bills and you're just kind of going through the motions and you're hearing Tony and Trina talk about starting a business and being an entrepreneur and you're like, oh, I don't have time and I don't have time. And how do these people find time to do that? And you're making all these excuses. Oh, I got kids and I got bills. I get it. We all have. And honestly, those excuses are only perpetuated by people who aspire to be average because <laughs> you tell another average friend of yours, like, Hey, I don't have time to start that business. or I don't have time to go to the gym or I don't have time to write that book. or I don't have time to start that podcast. What you expect from them is like, yeah, I don't have time either. And that's the conversation ends right there. Cause when average people hang out together, that's kind of like a, don't cross this boundary. If I say, I don't have time, you're just supposed to nod your head and go, yeah, I don't have time either. Mm -hmm. that means that's the conversation. When you talk to somebody that's driven or people that are actually doing things at a high level and you said it, you don't have time. Like, oh, okay pull out your calendar on your phone and show me what your schedule looks like on a day. Exactly. You get challenged. Yeah. Why are you so busy? Why are you so busy? I'm <laughs> four companies and I got all these employees and I got a family and I'm doing all kinds of stuff. You know, let me show what your schedule looks like. Cause I want, maybe I can learn something from you. And, and they're like, Oh, well, uh, I don't, I don't have a, a calendar. It's like, <laughs> 99% of people in the world do not live by a calendar because you don't know how to manage the tasks, because time, we don't manage time. Time is always going the same speed over and over and over, and it just keeps on going, whether we do something or not. So, if you think, you think about this, is like, if you don't start today, you're going to make it to the end of 2021 and be in the exact same position you are. But if you do start today, you'll make it to the end year, and you'll have some progress and some things that are going to build confidence, those bricks, those stepping stones. But what you said about the hard things up front, mm -hmm. think about this. I'm very fortunate and driven enough to have built a company that made a lot of money, right? And I worked my ass off to do that. I put in time and I sacrificed time away from my kid and my family. And there was times I was gone for 30 days at a time to go do what it take to be able to afford that. But what it is, I front loaded all that hard work to get to my 40s to be able to just hang out at the house and really not have to work at all. 
Exactly. What I love, which is coaching and helping people and sharing insights and writing books and creating podcasts and videos and things I enjoy. And I get to go on vacation. I built companies that I can be anywhere in the world at any time in the world and still get paid. It's because I put the work in up front. So if you're complaining about not having time, go crush it for two to three years. And you may actually find you'll have more time than you ever dreamed about on the back end of that. Exactly. I think we, we, we perpetually waste time. And I'm not going to say, you know, sitting and watching and watching TV show and stuff like that is, is a bad thing. But if you're spending hours and hours doing it, I think one of my biggest frustrations right now as I'm trying to transition out of doing my own social media stuff is how much time it takes away from me because you get caught in the trap of like you get in, you get on there and you're posting something because you know it's on your schedule do that and then all of a sudden you see one post after another post and after one post i said get off of this thing you know <laughs> you, you get caught into these like loops because that's how the brain goes it wants to do that it wants to it wants to procrastinate it wants to wants to stop you know so i I feel you, man. I feel you. I, 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 I used to use that excuse a lot why I couldn't start my own business. It's like with my kid. I used to be like, okay. Uh, and now it's like your kids are not burdens. Don't talk about them like that. Don't feel that way about them. Your kids are a reflection of you. Okay. That's who they are. So what do you want to reflect? What do you want to reflect? Man, Tony, this has been such an awesome conversation. You know, I hate to, I hate to stop, but you know, <laughs> it's been great night. And you're my first male guest. Your first male guest. I feel honored. Thank you so much. Yes. I told myself the other day, I said, you know, why don't, why don't I have any male guests on my show? I'm going to change that immediately. And here you are. Well, I'm good. I hope I set the bar really high and the rest of them can keep up. I, I think you did. I think you did. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed by what you, you said. And I'm sure my listeners got a lot of value out of it because that's why I do this. I'm just not doing this to hear my own voice. I want people to listen, get value at what I'm doing or I'll, I'll stop doing it. You know, that's it. That's how it goes. But thank you. Thank you. Thank Tony Wadley. I love talking about the family versus entrepreneurship versus emotional. These are all subjects I love and awareness is everything guys. I mean, if I was going to say that is the awareness, we hear this, it's a big word. I mean, Gary V talks about it a lot and awareness you hear about successful people talk about it a lot and you may not understand what it completely means. Mm-hmm. The way I define awareness is the split second between emotion versus reaction. Ah, Yes. Okay. So when you have an emotional response to something, whether that's somebody cutting you off on the freeway and you want to get on that horn and yell at your own windshield knowing they can't hear you mm-hmm. and you can control the situation that's already occurred, most people would get furious and then they're on the horn, they're yelling at the windshield. And I'm like, really? Like road rage? Like that's a lack of awareness. Okay. And it's also an observed behavior from when we're kids and we watch our parents react by anger and like showing temper tantrums and And here's the thing about is that when people get angry and they lose self-control, that's a learned behavior that they picked up from somebody else. It's not a personality trait. They learned that. And they lack awareness to understand that that's the decision they made 
do I want to be like that when I grow up or do I not want to be like that? My dad used to yell at the window and be like, and, and I just watched him like, nah, awareness stepping in. I don't want to ever be like that. And I chose to even at a kid. And so having that self-control is actually everything. And you, know, and you need some examples from this. Let's think about like top level fighters when they enter the ring, you know, octagon UFC or boxing or whatever it is, they're not like all in panic mode and beating their chest and acting like they're super scary and yeah. fighters and their eye, their eyes are just locked on their opponents are strategizing. They're, they're calm in their face until they're striking. Right. You know, just mm-hmm. the aggression side, but it's, it's having that awareness to understand that emotion is disconnected from reaction. So it's okay to feel emotion. We feel those emotions, happiness, anger, sadness, depression, mm-hmm. acknowledge that process that, but then you need to have that moment of awareness right in between and go, what would be the proper response for the future version of Trina in this regard? If I want to be a better person, what's the proper reaction to that? Exactly. If you could just have that split second of awareness, anytime you feel an emotion, you need to start to understand it. Train yourself. When you're watching the news and something pisses you off, train yourself to feel an emotion. Go, ah, I'm angry and that's an emotion and what's the right reaction for me? Emotions are just signposts, man. They're signposts. That's what they are. Nothing else. They tell you something is right. Something, something's not right about this situation. How do I dig in and figure out what that is? What's the root of that? That's what emotions are. And they're valid and they're important. Every single emotion is valid and important. Even the ones that we try to avoid. If you avoid them, they will come on you harder than you ever <laughs> can believe don't avoid your emotions regulate them but find a constructive way to respond the reaction and i'll tell you when people lose their self-control they're yelling or trying to make themselves look bigger and scarier anybody with emotional intelligence will look at them and think you are weak you're the Mm -hmm. weakest person in this room you think you're showing strength but you're the weakest person in this room because you don't have self-control yeah you know, and the inability to regulate yourself and also the social skills, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that expressions you get more with honey than lemon. It's true. You get more out of life when you are able to breathe through your emotions and figure out where they really are coming from. And you build better relationships by doing so. And I am so glad I'm building a relationship with you, Tony, because this has been great. This great. has been great. You really have fun. Yeah. Thank you for being on EQ Above IQ and healing the inner child with me. This podcast, I always tell everyone, is a part of my healing process. So I always am so thankful to those who listen in. And Tony, where can people find you? My website is 365driven.com. So 365driven.com and you'll find my best-selling book, Side Hustle Millionaire. My podcast is 365 Driven. And I hang out on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and the Clubhouse with Trina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't feel bad, people. Go get an iPhone and maybe you'll get an invite. I know I feel, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel a little special. I feel a little special. But actually, so I'm pretty soon. I'm sure they're going to open it up pretty soon. I appreciate your time and your wisdom. And I hope you have a blessed day, Tony. Likewise. Have a good evening. All right. Oh, that was such a great conversation. Tony dropped some wisdom gems. And, you know, 
One of the most important things for me as a parent is to teach my child critical thinking in how to be an entrepreneur. I think one of the major issues of our culture is that we have been basically boxed into a certain paradigm, a certain way of reality, dare I say. And that reality is always to work for somebody else. And believe me, as a person who worked for Fortune 500 company for almost 10 years and various other positions in human resources, recruitment, marketing, man, I know that grind feeling and not to my benefit. So I want there to be more generational wealth within our current structure. And we're not going to do that by just working for other people. I'm not saying that's a negative thing. What I'm saying is this, live your life in purpose. If you're going to work for other people, if you don't have that drive, or if you don't have that desire to start your own business, there's nothing wrong with you, but make sure you're working for companies that are based in something purposeful and impactful. And if we all just kind of shift our mindset around what it means to be successful, then we'll all feel successful. And I think that is something that we need to teach our kids an abundance mindset, uh, entrepreneurial mindset, uh, critical thinking, you know, all of the things that actually make us feel worthy. So I really appreciate Tony Wadley coming on this podcast. Like he said, check out his Facebook, Tony Wadley. You can also pick up a copy of his book, How to Become a Side Hustle Millionaire. I'm definitely looking forward to for that read. And if you want to learn more about his services and what he does, go to 365driven.com and, you know, support. Everybody has such an interesting story, man. And I hope you got some value out of this like I did. Don't forget to go over to thisreallifebooks.com. Check out some books for children that teach emotional intelligence, that teach a lot of these principles around self-love, compassion, worth, and also that determination. You'll love Galaxies Well. That book really breaks down some of the building blocks of really loving yourself as well as I Love Pink a story about a little trans girl that really loves herself and has a supportive family and, and grows and, and supports and shows love not only to herself, but other people. I also am available for coaching at thisreallifebooks.com. Hit that coaching tab. If some of these principles feel foreign to you, or if you want to know more about what it is to be an EQ parent, please go over and click that coaching tab. I have a system that will walk you through all of the things that you need and give you tools to become an EQ parent and also heal your own inner child. Man, I can't stress how important that is. So go check out thisreallifebooks.com and I hope you have a blessed day. 